Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of Acts with chapter 8, verses 6 through 24. We return to Samaria with Philip, Simon, Peter, and John with lessons that show us again that doctrine is important. Please follow along with Pastor Harris as he delivers today's portion of this week's message entitled, Glory and Gaul in Samaria. Now it's crucial to understand the facts about Jesus Christ and believe that they're true. That's where it starts. You've got to know the right truth. That's the foundation of saving faith. But if it's only a matter of believing the facts about Jesus, that's not enough. James, half-brother of Jesus, wrote this in James 19 and 20. You believe that God is one? You do well. It's a good thing to believe that. He says, the demons also believe and shudder because they know that they are going to be judged by that one true God. He says, but are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? If, it's just, if, the, if they don't let the facts penetrate your heart and bring you to repentance and genuine, saving, lifelong trust in Jesus, you've missed it. It's useless. Now, the fact that Simon continued on with Philip, that was, a, that was good optics. Uh, we can see, however, at least three aspects of apparently what he was doing. First of all, uh, Simon wanted to stay in contact with the people who formerly followed him, but now they're following Philip. So he wanted to stick around with them. He hoped to keep his own influence alive so that when Philip left town, he could go back to being the man. He was seeking attention for himself before Philip came and apparently that didn't change. Second, notice it said that Simon was constantly amazed. The, the power of God on display in the miracles through Philip was something Simon had never known. And to him, it was apparently kind of a professional curiosity that drove him. He wanted to know the source of Philip's power. I can watch somebody who plays golf far better than me. They're easy to find. Watch them do something. How, how'd you do that? Can you show me that? That's in essence what um, Simon seemed to be doing here. The third factor, as we're going to see in a few minutes, is that Simon ultimately wanted to acquire that power for himself. Magicians have been known to sell tricks to one another. And Simon figured out uh, he th figured, I should say, that for the right price, he too could do the things that Philip was doing. Now, before we finish Simon, I'm going to put a pause on him. Here comes a crucial development in the plan of God. So don't forget Simon. We'll be back to him. New believers rejoice. That's the glory. A pseudo-believer believes. And then the Holy Spirit comes. Now, this is 
fascinating. Verses 14 through 17. Now, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them, and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. Now understand, all this took a while. This was not a one-day-only event. This was not the weekend gospel fair in the city of Samaria. It went on for however long it took for many, many people to believe and be baptized, and long enough to make that huge impact, and long enough for the news to travel all the way back to Jerusalem to be heard and discussed among the apostles, and them to send down Peter and John. Now, the news that Samaritans were included in the kingdom, that would have been a hard to swallow for devout Jews, even saved devout Jews. What? You mean those half-breed outcasts with all their goofball doctrine, they are included in the kingdom of God just like we are? Tough sell. So they sent them Peter and John, and that accomplished at least three things by them coming to, to Samaria. First, it's obvious they came to help Philip. Uh, remember when the Holy Spirit was first poured out and 3,000 people believed? All 12 of the apostles and others pitched in when all those people were first saved in Jerusalem. So they understood what needed to be done to care for the souls of those new believers. Every single one of them to be baptized needed to be spoken to uh, personally, there's a lot of work to do, and it was way too much for one man by himself. Secondly, Peter and John brought the blessing of the apostles on Philip's ministry and on the Samaritans. Uh, the apostles were the leaders of the church. They were recognized by all believers in Christ. They maintained their position even after the church spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and then to the Gentiles. And as I said last time, we're going to still see much more about the mother church uh, in Jerusalem as we go through the book of Acts. And then the third thing that they did, they prayed for the Samaritans that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that tells you that they understood that the message was the same, the response was the same, the faith was the same, the baptism was the same, and so they wanted them to have the fullness of it all. Although they had believed, they'd been baptized, no Holy Spirit yet. Uh, and that raises a very good question. It's an often asked question. So we need to pause here for a moment. This is one of a few passages, as a matter of fact, we're going to see three in the book of Acts, where some people professed, Christ, uh, professed faith in Christ and had not at that point received the Holy Spirit. So some professing Christians use this passage and the other two to prove that Christians receive the Holy Spirit as a second blessing that comes after salvation. 
And some add to that, and you haven't received the Holy Spirit until you've spoken in tongues. Um, They claim that this group of people who were saved and yet didn't have the Holy Spirit, that that's normal. Now, the part is true. They were saved. They didn't have the Holy Spirit. That's true. But what's not true is saying that it's normal. Now, my dad was um, a bit of a character in a, in a lot of ways. I wish he had walked with the Lord. Uh, he didn't, but he had a little plaque affixed to his toolbox at work at Lockheed. I saw it several times. The plaque simply read, one of the great tragedies of life is the murder of a beautiful theory by a gang of brutal facts. Well, it applies here. The theory is that you receive Christ and then sometime later you receive the Holy Spirit well after you put your faith in Christ. Well, here are the brutal facts that you need to recognize. Number one, this, is not a, this passage is not a command and it's not a statement of what happens all the time. Fact number one is the book of Acts is transitional. Now, it's accurate, accurate history. This records how it happened in the first 30 plus years after Jesus ascended. But the events of the book of Acts are not normative. Let me see if I can illustrate. I might have just been the fog of getting up too early this morning, but I thought of this this morning as I was um, doing my final run-through and prayer time for this. Um, I was thinking in light of, well, Independence Day is, is uh, coming up. We think about our country. Just in the last couple of days, we've had some, uh, some very significant uh, decisions handed down by the Supreme Court. They are operating within our Constitution. We are a constitutional republic, not a pure democracy. We are a constitutional republic, and that Constitution is a great big deal. And we live under the, the wonderful blessings and fruits of the, of, the, of the Constitution being in effect. And on uh, Tuesday of this week, we're going to celebrate Independence Day because it says on the Declaration of Independence in Congress, July 4th, 1776. So we celebrate July 4th. Well, never mind, it was actually signed early in August. But, you know, things didn't happen quite as fast in those days. They didn't have electronic DocuSign. They actually had to be there and use pens and all of that stuff. So the beginning is 1776, but you know what? They did not live in a constitutional republic in 1776 or 1777. The Constitution wasn't written until 1787. It was adopted in 1788. It went into effect in 1789. So if there was a book of the Acts of the Founding Fathers, it would cover that transitional time before the normal that has now been in effect for 250 years. That, not quite 250, I I can actually do math, Um, um, 247 years Okay? Even though that the, the, the Constitution has now been it hasn't been in effect, we live under it. But they didn't. But that was where they were headed. Well, the same thing is going on in the book of Acts. There's a new normal thing now, but they didn't have it all yet. There was more revelation to be given. This is the transition. 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.